Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. This month's segment is going to cover the topic of creativity and magic. I'll be discussing the relationship between the creative process and the path of magic and mysticism. And also, I'll give you some practical suggestions for enhancing your own creative work. Uh, Now, in this discussion, I may use examples, specific examples, such as art or poetry and so on, but it should be understood that the discussion today will apply to really any creative medium whatsoever. So if you're an artist, a musician, a poet, a sculptor, um, and even if you don't think of yourself as a, a creative artist in any of these media, my assertion is, and many others have said similar things over the years, that uh, the creative act is something we engage in every day as we live our lives. It's um, it's the translation of whatever is going on in our inner life into manifest results. And the efficiency with which we can tap into that inner world, however we name it or however we experience it, and turn that into tangible results in the outer world, whether in a creative form or just in our life itself, is um, to a great extent related to our level of initiation, our level of inward initiation. So um, let's get started. Now, true art in any medium involves the transmutation of the ineffable into the manifest. Uh, Much like the path of initiation itself, in the early stages, this is most often accomplished via the conscious mind being attentive to subconscious impulses toward creation. This might be a sudden flash of inspiration about an artistic, musical, poetic, or other creative process, or a vision of an image, a poetic or musical phrase, a special symbol, and so on. Um, Also, as with initiation, after knowledge and conversation, the creative person may find that there is a dramatic increase in the directness of the creative process. Uh, It's a much more conscious engagement with those superconscious or archetypal elements which fuel the creative work. Just as the adept may quite consciously perceive a directive from the HGA and some other avenue of life, uh, so does the artist adept, uh, so to speak, perceive a clear imperative toward a particular creative expression. It often seems to me that for some great creative people, including William Blake and other venerated saints of our tradition, the voice of the Holy Guardian Angel was in fact their creative output itself. That uh, It wasn't teaching necessarily, it wasn't producing holy books or participating in magical order, but simply divinely inspired creation manifesting in the world through their handiwork. And if you contemplate other great artists, musicians, poets, um, I think you'll find, much much like Crowley seemed to feel, that, that, that the creative work itself, rightly understood and rightly executed, is, um, is a divine act and a magical act inherently. Uh, another way of thinking about this, just as a magical ritual is best achieved by falling in love with the object of the working, So does creative expression, ideally, require a certain ecstatic union with the artistic idea. The artist is entranced by the process of engaging with the material. Indeed, he or she is impelled to do so. 
Uh, it seems a necessary step in life, every bit as much as eating or sleeping. The material, the, the, our, the creative material that's coming through, it wants to be expressed, it seems. And we are the vessel of that expression. This is precisely analogous to the expression of the true and universal will through the totality of a human's life, properly enacted. Um, I should comment um, that, as when I said the the magical ritual is best achieved by falling in love with the object of the working, I, I think it's probably clear, but just in case, uh, I'm not talking about lust of result here. I'm not I'm not talking about egoically uh, being attached to the object of the working. I'm talking about when we discover as best we can, that a magical goal is in line with our true will. Some part of us, a deep, deep will-focused part of us, needs to fall in love with that as, as if we are pursuing it with all our heart and all our might because it is divine, it is, it is linked to true will, not because it just feels good to the ego. So the artist is impelled to create um, out of a love for what they're trying to express. And, and uh, that's the analogy I'm trying to get at. Now, Crowley comments on this in um, this general idea in uh, Libra Aleph chapter 67, which is called On the Poets. Uh, in the previous chapter, he's compared a poet to a magus. And so he's following up on that comparison in what he says here. And I'll read it to you verbatim. For this reason is the poet called an incarnation of the zeitgeist that is, of the spirit or will of his period. So every poet is also a prophet, because when that which he saith is recognized as the expression of their own thought by men, they translate this into act, so that in the parlance of the folk, vulgar and ignorant, that which he foretold is come to pass. Now then the poet is interpreter of the hieroglyphs of the hidden will of man in many a matter, some light, some deep, as it may be given unto him to do, Moreover, it is not altogether in the word of any poem, but in the quintessential flavor of the poet, that thou mayest seek this prophecy. And this is an art most necessary to every statesman, who but Shelley foretold the fall of Christianity, and the organization of labor, and the freedom of woman, who but Nietzsche declared the principle at the root of the world war. See thou clearly, then, that in these men were the keys of the dark gates of the future, should not the kings and their ministers have taken heed thereto, fulfilling their word without conflict? So, clearly, in Crowley's eyes, there's this sense that the, the creative person is a prophet of not just their own inspiration of the moment, but of something, um, something about the, the nature of humanity's evolution and state of collective consciousness at the time. Um, another way of understanding the creative act is to relate it to the path of Dalith, the empress. Um, now, this is not the only path we could connect it to. There's all kinds of ways this, this could be talked about. But um, just work with me a little bit and, and follow what I'm saying here, because I think we can understand something unique about creative work by connecting it with Dalith. Uh, as it happens in the scheme of attributions drawn from the Sephiroth Zero, which is sometimes called the Cube of Space, Daleth is attributed to the east, to the eastern face of the cube. Um, this is uh, the direction traditionally associated with the source of divine light, uh, the dawning sun, and so on. 
uh, we can understand Dalith and the Empress um, to be the power of creative imagination, of contemplation of divine forms, uh, and the power that indeed expresses divine form. This is the transmission or translation of this creative material across the abyss, down to the manifest world. In many ceremonial temples, such as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, the East was the place where the Hierophants and other Second Order members would sit. Uh, these advanced members would be specially charged with maintaining the so-called invisible stations and other astral architecture of the temple. Um, they'd be exercising the very faculty of creative imagination under discussion here, and they're sitting in the East, where we attribute the creative imagination to Dalith. Um, consider also these correspondences from 777, uh, with reference to the 14th path of Dalith. Uh, Crowley gives um, success in bhakti yoga as the result, the Hindu or Buddhist result attributed to, to Dalith. Um, likewise, the attribution of Aphrodite to this path connects the idea of creative work with a loving devotional process, as we were discussing earlier, falling in love with a creative idea. Uh, the animals attributed to Dalith include the dove, which calls to mind the descending dove on the Oto Laman, um, representing descending divine power, among other things, and the swan. Um, the swan, for me, is just kind of my thing, probably, but uh, calls to mind Parsifal. And, and uh, so see the Parsifal story, particularly Fraderakad's writing called The Chalice of Ecstasy, if you want to connect um, the ideas of the dove and the swan and uh, some of the inner work of Oto and so on. Um, the magical formula attributed to Dalith is love, seeing a theme develop here. Um, and under suggestive correspondences, Crowley gives the wife. To me, this is not necessarily meaning just a female, but the idea of the muse, the creative impulse itself, the, the, uh, or, or the, the things onto which we project the creative impulse, the things that inspire us. Um, Further on Dalith from uh, The Heart of the Master in the section um, called The Two and Twenty Secret Instructions of the Master, we read, This is the harmony of the universe, that love unites the will to create with the understanding of that creation. Understand thou thine own will. Love and let love. Rejoice in every shape of love, and get thy rapture and thy nourishment thereof. So just wanted to read that as, as one last um, affirmation of, of one of my main themes here, which is that creation is a loving act and is also an act that bridges the individual mind with the supernal or trans-rational um, truth of the universe, you know, the 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 creative process of the universe itself filtered through the eyes and hands of one particular artist. Now, with all that as preamble, let's talk about some practical considerations in enhancing creativity in your own life. Now, of course, there could be all kinds of different ways to talk about this, but um, for my discussion today, I've broken this down into two general categories of uh, ways to enhance creativity, just umbrella categories. And these uh, are... Number one, uh, loosening the rational mind's grip on moment-to-moment -moment consciousness. And two, deepening the rational mind's access to transrational creative flow. So 
loosening and deepening. Let's talk about loosening first. Uh, I think it's it's fairly self-explanatory uh, from what I've said already. We strive to loosen the habitual hold of mental control that we tend to cultivate as our normative state of consciousness. You know, this is ego stuff. We want things in categories and boxes. We want to predict what's coming and prepare for it. We want our lives to unfold according to conscious choices. But none of these habits of thought are particularly conducive to creative work. Rather, they tend to dampen the flow of creative inspiration, which um, can actually feel threatening to the conscious mind. Creation is inherently chaotic in many ways from the perspective of the ego. It's, it's unknown and it's, and it's uh, a letting go of control. So it's inherently, inherently threatening and we have to loosen that control in order to be more creative. So let's talk about some techniques for loosening. Um, some of these I've touched on in other segments and for other reasons, but uh, they, they function here as loosening techniques. Uh, divination does this. Whenever we say, I'm going to get my answer from um, these cards or these Ejing sticks, um, we are practicing the art of letting go a little bit, letting go of, of conscious control of outcomes or, or judgments. Um, astral projection and scrying are another place where loosening can happen. The barrier to successful one of the barriers to successful astral projection, for example, is that uh, clinging to connection to the the everyday rational mind and the physical body. Uh, and people hit a wall with that sometimes in practice, and, and that's because it requires us to loosen our mental control um, from our habitual way of operating. Likewise, scrying, um, you know, forces us, it requires us to, um, to kind of defocus from outward consensual reality a little bit and perceive what's coming through in the shoe stone or, um, uh, you know, whatever medium we're using for scrying the mirror, for example. Um, another thing that functions as a loosening technique is, um, letting some decisions be made by chance. For example, if you're faced with a binary choice, um, yes or no, left or right, Taco Bell or McDonald's, whatever, um, flip a coin and rel relinquish the habitual conscious control of, of those small decisions. Uh, another thing you can do is um, draw up a list of, I don't know, 10 or 15 relatively inconsequential rules for any given day. Um, things like, uh, today I will turn left when given the opportunity, or today I will avoid expressing an opinion about anything whatsoever. Uh, select one or more of these rules at random each day, the random part's important, and uh, vigilantly abide by them as unbreakable commandments. Uh, the key is that we abdicate conscious decision-making on a certain matter, and the matter itself is not of our own choosing. Um, in a way, this is a, a little bit like a specific way of... Um, performing Libra Ugorum in terms of mental control. Um, you're just outsourcing some of the control to uh, a randomization process. Um, another loosening technique, um, opposes every thought with its opposite. Crowley talks about this in places. Um, whenever you decide you have an opinion about something, purposely 
silently and inwardly, probably, argue with yourself. If you decide you don't like Joe, who sits in the cubicle next to you, um, immediately counter that with all the reasons that Joe's a great guy. And so you're just uh, challenging the ego a bit. Also look at the techniques that Crowley describes in Liber As Abysme, um, where he's essentially giving techniques for exhausting the rational mind in order to allow the transrational to break through. Full attainment in that Liber would be um, a much, much bigger deal than the things we're talking about today. This is a, a Liber that's assigned to the uh, exempt adept, but uh, you can pick and choose some of the techniques in there to experiment with. Uh, another loosening technique would be, and this is probably the most important of all because it relates specifically to the creative act, um, stream of consciousness writing or musical improvisation um, in any medium. In other words, whatever the artistic medium is, just don't have any rules and play with it. It's creative play in its purest sense. No rules no limitations on creative possibilities, no time limits, no goals, just I'm going to sit down and write whatever comes to mind, or I'm going to pick up my guitar and play whatever comes to mind. Anytime we just try to open up to inspiration in that way, we're training ourselves to be better at it in the future. And this tends to loosen the, the conscious control over things. So those are some ideas for for loosening techniques. Um, let's talk about deepening. Um, now deepening in this context is like we're digging a well into the subconscious mind and eventually we hit creative water, you know, and the cool thing here is that once that well is in place, the water tends to continue to flow. We don't have to redig it all the time. This is the advantage of, um, rigorous, sustained, chronic meditation practices which, in fact, is one of the primary recommendations I have for you for, for deepening. Work with your asana and dharana practices, your concentration practices. Check out the other Living Kalima segment on, uh, on these practices, meditation, visualization, etc. Um, now, I have a very specific personal observation to make about regular and substantial meditation. And... For me, I found that it's 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 it really is a magic formula for enhancing my musical creativity. I will be meditating, and if I've been in a in a phase where I've been very vigilant about it, um, and you know, lengthy meditations that are not just five minute uh, little dips in into meditation, um, I've literally the the songs just sort of come through my head. It's really much more like finding the music than consciously creating it. And I bet you you'll find something similar, whatever your particular medium of creative expression is, that if you meditate regularly, those floodgates will open um, and you'll feel like you're a channel for creation um, in a very real way rather than, than um, where you, you feel like you have to sit down and make yourself create something or or uh, that you're doing it consciously or, or with the, the usual brain power. Um, also do some reflective meditations. Now this would be like choosing a word or phrase, perhaps a line from a holy book, or perhaps one of the passage from a source, one of the passages from a source text like um, 
the two and twenty secret instructions of a master that I was reading earlier, um, and just hold the word or phrase in mind as you're as you're meditating. Um, allow associations to arise. Don't censor them. See where the flow of thought goes. Every few minutes, return to the core phrase, so that you're, um, you know, staying relatively tied to the initial idea rather than just allowing the chain of associations to go on indefinitely. So you decide you're going to think about love is the law, love under will, as an example. Um, so you, you just let associations happen. Maybe you start thinking about law or love or will, and then that leads you to another idea about the self or whatever. And after a few minutes, just remind yourself that your core meditation is love is the law, love under will. Um, Again, this this functions as a deepening technique because um, when we repeatedly practice accessing this material, when we when we give our mind the space to get let the ego get out of the way and to let that well be dug deeper and deeper, um, it becomes one of the primary ways of learning things about ourselves in the universe. It's not rational necessarily. It's not planful. Um, but it is, um, it is essential in terms of inward progress that we learn how to extract information from sources other than our everyday human ego. Another deepening technique, um, which I've done a segment on before is uh, dream work or active imagination. Um, I won't go too much more into that here cause I talked about it for 25 minutes before. So, um, check out that one. Um, finally, um, when you're faced with a problem or a concern, just decide that instead of trying to figure it out, instead of trying to think it out, you're going to get your answer through some sort of transrational source. Um, I guess this is a bit of, a bit like what I was saying earlier about divination being a loosening technique, but, um, instead of thinking it through, you got a problem with the boss at work or whatever, Instead of thinking it through, you're going to come home and you just decide that the answer will appear in some form in the dream you have that night. Um, might be a symbol or a story or a phrase that's spoken in the dream, but just go to bed knowing with certainty that there's an answer in the dream and commit yourself to live by that answer. Um, once again, it's deepening because we are forcing ourselves to go beyond the everyday human ego in our search for answers, um, mining for these answers in the unconscious itself or in the, uh, in the deeper recesses of the self. So, um, that's the end of the discussion today. I just wanted to, uh, talk about creativity in some hopefully creative and interesting ways. Um, and I, I encourage you to try out these practical suggestions and then, See if it makes a difference for you. See if your own creative life is enhanced uh, over time. Um, and if you have any feedback on how this works for you, please do contact me and let me know. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what you all get out of this, um, those, especially those of you who are already engaged in some creative work. So um, as always, beyond that, if there are any comments or questions or suggestions for future segments, Contact me at uh, david at livingthelema.com. 
Uh, go to livingthelema.com also for my uh, bio if you want to learn more about me and uh, um, for information on purchasing the Living Thelema book and finding out more about that. Our Facebook page um, is a great place to hear announcements of upcoming events and uh, my public appearances and uh, also to engage in some discussion. So thanks for joining me here today, and I will look forward to talking to you next time. Love is the law. Love under will.